Welcome to Star Wars Comics and Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 89. So then guys, this week I am tackling the second volume of the Poe Dameron comics, and uh, thank you for your patience from last week when I released one of the Patreon special episodes because I just couldn't get this recorded in time, uh, so I appreciate that greatly, and obviously I have also released one of the Patreon episodes, the first of our Tom Hanks rewatch, uh, a link to that is in the description, but it's just bit.ly slash Tom Hanks 1 with a capital T and H and you get access to one of the Patreon episodes completely for free. It's me and Megan talking about big so uh, make sure to check that out. Link to that is in the description. But if this is your first time tuning into the show, I'll clarify I'm going to go through each of these comics, going through the general plot points, and then also highlighting a lot of the connections, either characters that appear in other Star Wars content, or fun bits of information to know, or just certain stuff I I think is intriguing. Uh, But that's the general idea of this, so although it's technically spoiling the comic, I try and make sure that I say enough information so you understand what's going on in the canon, in this era, and whatever I am tackling. But if you want to pick up the comics yourselves, and I know a lot of you guys like to read along and things, then you can still do that and still pick up a lot of things in the comics mainly it's like the dialogue or the, some of the humor i don't really mention many of the funny things that happen in some of these star wars comics so uh, still worth checking out if you can you know it's all on marvel unlimited and stuff but before i delve into the comic information itself i want to clarify that this is obviously volume two of the poe dameron comics and it's called the gathering storm i tackled volume one on episode 85 of star wars comics in canon that was issues one to six this episode is issues eight to 13 because issue seven is actually like a one shot basically and also issue seven in the trade paperback collection is actually in the third volume of Poe Dameron comics so I'll tackle that then. In addition, if you wanted more Poe Dameron information, I tackled his Age of Resistance comic in episode 56 of Star Wars Comics and Canon, and also in episode 7 of Star Wars Comics and Canon, I did the four-part miniseries called Allegiance, which is set between Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, and then in addition to that, if you want more information on Poe Dameron's parents, Shara Bay and Kez Dameron, then check out episode 4 of Star Wars Comics and Canon, where I tackled the four-part miniseries Shattered Empire that takes place literally moments after the end of Return of the Jedi. But let's get into some of the information about the comic itself. So, it's called Poe Dameron, obviously Volume 2. The story arc and the trade paperback is called The Gathering Storm. It is issues 8 to 13. Issue 8 was released in November 2016. Issue 13 was released April 2017. And the trade paperback collection was released in June 2017. The writer is Charles Saul, and the artist is Phil Noto. And in addition to Phil Noto being the artist, as in the penciler, inker, colour artist, he also does all the covers, which is just baffling to me. But I will clarify that I think issue number seven was done by a different artist, for as far as I can recall, because I read it before uh, reading through these issues and stuff, just to see if there was anything specifically relevant to these. But I just always want to highlight the fact that Phil Noto, or Noto, is so impressive to me, because most, you know, comics have got one inker, one penciler, one colour artist, and then a person or a couple of people who do covers most of the time, and Phil Noto does all of it. So just kudos to him for that. Uh, But with that all in mind, guys, let's get into these issues. So we're going to start with issue number eight, which is obviously the first of this collection, the first of six, and here is the crawl. It is a time of uncertainty in the galaxy. 
Standing against the oppression of the First Order is General Organa's resistance, including Poe Dameron and his team of ace pilots, Black Squadron. After undertaking a mission to find the explorer, Law Santeca, a new enemy has emerged, Terex, an officer of the First Order Security Bureau. Though Poe's crew of pilots has managed to survive the multiple encounters, Terex has vowed to destroy them. Meanwhile, shadows gather around Poe as he has become increasingly certain that a member of Black Squadron is feeding information to the First Order about the Resistance and its allies, and darkness continues to spread across the galaxy. So these stories are still taking place, you know, within two years of the start of The Force Awakens. So Force Awakens is 34 years after the Battle of Yavin because it's 30 years after Return of the Jedi. And these comics take place between 32 years and 34 years. So it's about a two year gap from the start of the Poe Dameron comics to the end. And to clarify to you guys, I haven't read all the Poe Dameron comics. I'm reading them as I go through them uh, with you guys, basically. So it's quite fresh for me as well. So I don't actually know specifically how they end. Obviously, we know that Poe Dameron isn't going to die because he's in the sequel trilogy and then we also know you know Snap Wexley what happens to him because he's in the sequel trilogy as well and a few other like minor characters and I've mentioned in passing certain other characters that pop up or die or anything like that but uh, for the most part I don't fully know what happens but as this does serve as a prequel it's kind of just laying the groundwork for things that occur in The Force Awakens along with the show Star Wars Resistance which Poe Dameron also appears in that as well, but I'm not going to talk about Star Wars Resistance. I would just say if you've watched Clone Wars and Rebels and The Bad Batch and you are desperate for another Star Wars show and you want it to be animated, you can try Star Wars Resistance. I would say Series 1, for the most part, is pretty weak. Series 2 is alright, but I would say that all of the Resistance is weaker than most of the first series of The Clone Wars. There are a couple of standout episodes, but the standout episodes of The Resistance just make them slightly better than most of Series 1 of The Clone Wars. They do not even go near how good Rebels or Clone Wars top episodes are but um, that's my opinion and it's an opinion shared by many many Star Wars fans but um, this isn't a podcast about the Resistance so let's get into things so here is some of the plot details of issue number eight It starts off with Poe reflecting on the squad's potential betrayer, you know, the person who's mentioned in the crawl and stuff, someone who's feeding information to the First Order. While Poe is doing that while he's training, it shows that Terex's crew is asking how much longer they're going to be outside of First Order space, because this is continuing straight on from the previous volume of the Poe Dameron comics, and you've got Terex on his ship, the Carrion Spike, that used to be owned by Tarkin, and along with some First Order officers and etc., and they're basically just in space with a damaged ship kind of waiting for things to be repaired. After this officer says that to Terex, he's just not really phased by it, tells people to wait, and then he goes into his chambers and reflects upon his past, which means there's a whole bunch of flashbacks in these comics. So the first flashback is at the Battle of Jakku. Now the Battle of Jakku obviously is famous because it's referenced in The Force Awakens because you see Rey scavenging parts from the crashed Super Star Destroyer. Now the crashed Super Star Destroyer is actually called the Ravager. Now the Ravager is an executor class star dreadnought. It's just a Super Star Destroyer, so a really big one, much like Vader's Super Star Destroyer, which is called the Executor, and you see that get destroyed in Return of the Jedi. But the Ravager is actually first seen in Claudia Gray's book, Lost Stars, which I hugely recommend to you guys. You also get to see it on the cover of the third in the Aftermath trilogy by Chuck Wendig, which is called Aftermath Empire's End. And that's probably your best place to get some understanding on the Battle of Jakku, because there's a huge portion of the book Empire's End, which is just about the Battle of Jakku. I know that in Star Wars Battlefront 2, there was a map released for it as well, where you can fight it and vaguely reenact the Battle of Jakku. And there's been other bits of Star Wars content that talks about it a little bit and things. But Aftermath Empire's End is the best place to get that information, as well as Lost Stars, I think, has a chapter or two on it. 
And the Battle of Jakku happened around five years after the Battle of Yavin, so it was within a year to 18 months after Return of the Jedi. I seem to vaguely recall it's about 18 months after Return of the Jedi, but depending on where you check, it's slightly different. But obviously, Star Wars don't like to give explicit day dates, so you can just think, yeah, it's 12 to 18 months after the Battle of Endor. Now, it is seen as the last stand of the Empire. As I said, Aftermath Empire's End, it goes into a huge amount of detail, and that's a pretty chunky book, so uh, I can only give vague details on that without delving into a hundred other tangents and whatnot but it's seen as the last stand of the empire the empire obviously lost that battle and then groups of the imperial remnant just disappeared into unknown space after one of palpatine's grand plans failed which i'm not going to delve into here go read the book if you want to find out about that and obviously this imperial remnant who disappeared into unknown space they eventually became the first order and in fact armitage hux which is general hux from the sequel trilogy his first name is armitage he was actually on board that ship and part of the imperial remnant with his dad rendell hux uh, when they went out there so that's just a bit of fun stuff about the battle of jakku but you get a little bit tiny bit more information about the battle of jakku from these flashbacks so as i said it starts there and you've got three stormtroopers who are remaining two standard stormtroopers and one commander the commander says they need to keep fighting even though they are clearly losing the battle and the ravagers just crashed into jakku and then one of the stormtroopers shoots this commander he then tells the other stormtrooper to remove the armor and then they can bury it and hide so they can go off and find work and then eventually they'll be able to leave world and kind of go on their own way because the empire has very clearly lost. So the guy who shot the commander is someone called Korlak and the other one who is quite hesitant to do anything takes off his helmet and is shown to be Terex. So it cuts back to now and it shows that Terex has recovered his armor and he's got like a new coat of paint on it and it actually looks quite cool. It's quite samurai-esque. Meanwhile, Poe lets Oddie fly his X-Wing, and while this is happening, C-3PO approaches with a red arm, and he says that Leia is looking into those spies that have been aforementioned, but a droid in C-3PO's sort of network of spies, he doesn't call them spies, he calls them operatives, but this droid spy operative knows the location of Supreme Leader Snoke but the transmission was interrupted just before the crucial data was sent across. So 3PO and Poe, along with one member of Black Squadron, need to go to Kadak to receive the droid. And Poe is kind of unsure who to take. I want to clarify as well, Kadak is a system that's only in these comics. So it goes back to Terex, and he is asked by one of his First Order comrades that he needs to report back to Phasma. He ignores it once again, and then shoots the comm system, and then he disables the whole systems aboard the carry-on spike. It does another flashback, and it shows that Terex and Korlak spent about a year on Jakku, putting a ship together out of broken parts and things from the battle. And Terex is still loyal to the Imperials, while Korlak's loyalty is starting to wane. Cuts back to now and it shows that Poe, BB-8, 3PO and Oddy are going out on a mission in a smuggling freighter. Kadak is a lawless place and as they kind of approach and things it shows that Terex also heads for Kadak. Terex is going there to find something. Then the final panels of this show that another flashback and it shows that Terex heads to Kadak back in his flashback along with Korlak and Terex says that the Empire still needs them. So that's where issue number eight ends, so we move on to the second issue of this batch, issue number nine. So Poe, BB-8, Oddie, and C-3PO land on the planet Kadak, and in the middle of this city there's this giant protruding sort of red-pink crystal. It's like hundreds of feet into the air. 
3PO confirms it is operative is somewhere around here. Oddie then asks about the lawlessness of this world. And then as that happens, someone just falls right past them. And he's like, what was that? And Poe says, yeah, someone was basically thrown off the top of all this stuff and just fell to their death. And that's how they handle problems here. Meanwhile, Terex is walking through the streets of Kadak and some kids try and pickpocket him. He turns around to it and then one of their mums apologises and said that the kid didn't know who he was. Terex then gives, either it's a credit chip or some sort of strange gem, I think it's credits, to this kid and then just walks away. Terex then walks into a bar and all the people look straight at him, recognising him, kind of whispering to themselves and things, and he sits at his favourite table. It then does a flashback to decades earlier, which is when the other flashbacks have taken place as well. And Terex is at this bar and Korlak introduces him to two women to try and help bring back the Empire. It's confirmed in this flashback that Terex originally was working in a shipyard on the planet Rothana before the Battle of Jakku and stuff. And the base got locked down when all of them left because basically all members of the Empire got asked to go and fight in the Battle of Jakku. And Korlak has a plan to retrieve the ships from this old shipyard that obviously has been locked down since the Battle of Jakku, which was now about a year ago. And no one would in theory have codes to get in or anything, so they're just kind of left there. The majority of the ships there need repairs of some sort, hence why they weren't used in the battle itself, but Korlak is confident with the help of these two women and maybe a few other people, they can go to get the ships and repair them and stuff, and they'll then have a secret fleet. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that Rothana is the planet that has the shipyard by it. Now, Rothana was first in the book Tarkin by James Lucino, and it was actually named in a hologram in The Last Jedi, so quite an obscure thing. But that isn't the first true appearances because Rothana did appear in Legends. It appeared in two Republic Commando books, as well as two of the new Jedi Order books, and then I think it's at once or twice on a couple of other things in like minor ways. It's generally not in Legends that much. There's a fair amount of information on it on Legends, but the canon information about it says that it was used 800 years before the Battle of Yavin by Kuwait Systems, and the planet is also an icy planet. Uh, Kuwait is one of the many ship manufacturers in Star Wars, but it's one of the main ones. So back at present day, you've got Poe and C-3PO in a place called the Sliver on level 45. And I'm basically just going to read an exchange between them because I think it's quite an interesting perspective that we haven't really heard that much, especially not in the sequel trilogy. And I just think it's quite interesting. So uh, I'm going to read this out for you. So we've got Poe and 3PO talking and it starts with Poe. All right, I'm ready. You give me whatever clues you've got 3PO and I'll find this droid. Oh no, Master Dameron. Why? Why do you do that? Excuse me, sir. I'm not sure I understand. All that master stuff. I know your story. Everyone knows your story. Every big event in the Galactic Civil War, you were right there. You were directly involved in bringing down the Empire. You and R2. So I don't know why you're calling me master. Why would you call anyone master? Seems like people should call you that. Why, I... I don't know, sir. Programming, I suppose. All droids must do as they are programmed. But as I was saying before your over-generous assessment of my role in the Galactic events, it is not your job to find the missing operative. I will do that. Your job is merely to keep me safe. And unfortunately, I fear I may have the easier task. So yeah, I just thought that was quite a nice interaction there. Obviously, it doesn't necessarily add anything to the story, and to my knowledge, it doesn't come up again. But I just thought it was quite an interesting thing that people are aware of 3PO's importance to the Galactic Civil War. I'm sure at least Leia told people about that. I don't know about Luke or Han, but 
you know, it's still something that's quite an intriguing perspective. I mean, I've often joked that R2-D2 carries the whole Skywalker saga, like, on his shoulders. Like, if you think about all the elements that happened, like, he saved them in Phantom Menace, which is how he kind of got, in air quotes, discovered. Then in Attack of the Clones, he doesn't do a huge amount. Him and 3PO are just kind of there. But then in Revenge of the Sith, he also doesn't really do that much. But then in, you know, A New Hope, he is paramount to everything that happens in all of that trilogy. And he continuously assists them, including in Empire Strikes Back, and obviously when he goes with Luke to Dagobah and all that sort of stuff. And then the sequel trilogy, he's got a piece of the map to take Rey to Luke Skywalker. So in a, in the prequel trilogy, he saves everyone's life right at the start. Then in the original trilogy, he's actually the cause of all the events that occur. And then in the sequel trilogy, he allows Rey to meet Luke. So it's just R2-D2 is, for me, the most important character in pretty much all of Star Wars. I know a lot of people are going to argue it's Luke Skywalker, which... I would probably argue, yeah, it's probably either Luke or Obi-Wan, but R2-D2, Luke and Obi-Wan, I think, are the three most important characters in all of Star Wars. Granted, you could argue, you know, Palpatine, because he's actually the one who does all the badness, but I mean of the good elements of the uh, whole of the Skywalker saga. But um, yeah, I just want to share that with you guys, because I thought that was quite cool. So moving on from that, 3PO then has quite a lot of dialogue, but he primarily just says that Han has got a lot of debts to the Guavian Death Gang, and as he's saying that, as well as some of the other details of his mission, a couple of people nearby hear it. It seems to be Kanja Club, I think, that might be able to hear him, but I'm not entirely sure as of yet, but a group of thugs basically hear them speaking, and you kind of see them getting kind of agitated and stirring in the background. One of 3PO's operatives, a mouse droid, which is an MSE series droid, and you see them in the original trilogy, especially in A New Hope, I think, on the Death Star, the tiny little droids. They look like almost a little box of wheels that squeak and stuff. And this mouse droid gives BB-8 some info, saying that the droid in question that knows the location of Supreme Leader Snoke is held by a gang called the Ranks Gang, R-A-N-C-S. It shows what Terex is up to, and he's in this bar, and he meets up with someone called Whisper. And they meet again, they are clearly familiar in some way, and then you get to see another flashback. So the flashback shows that Terex actually kept his old armour, I think he went back and maybe undug it or something from Jakku, or after the year that they had been, you know, putting the ship together and whatnot, he clearly got it back before they ventured to Kadak. And... He's in the ship along with Korlak, this person called Whisper, and then a whole crew of people as well. They're heading towards the shipyard and they get to it because he's got the Imperial Codes and that sort of thing. And it shows there are loads of TIE fighters and some TIE bombers as well. And then this comic shows back to now and Terex is talking to Whisper at this bar and things. And he's saying he wants the Ranks gang back. Terex and Whisper then kind of have a back and forth a little bit and Whisper's like, but why? You you left the world of crime behind you. You said you were never coming back. And Terex is like, yeah, but I was foolish to think that I would never come back to it and stuff. And then eventually there's a back and forth even more. And then one of Whisper's men kills Whisper, just shoots him. And he was like, welcome back, Terex. Like showing that they were clearly always loyal to Terex. It then shows that Poe, 3PO, Oddie, and I think BB-8 then go to this repair shop, it seems, and they go in there, it's owned by the Rank Gang, and 3PO's going to speak to him. Before 3PO can say anything, the guy says, are you Poe Dameron, the shop owner? And he's like, uh, yeah, why? And he shoots him in the chest with a stun blast, and Poe collapses to the floor, and that is where comic number nine ends. So we move on to issue number ten. So issue number 10 starts with Poe Dameron on the floor and C-3PO is telling two thugs and a shop owner who are now in the area that they are now surrounded by droids. There seem to be like 10 or 20 droids which all seem to be C-3PO's operatives on the planet who are all now willing to assist. And they then find the operative N1ZX who is the droid they were looking for. 
So N1ZX is nicknamed Nunzix and is a BX series droid commando. So droid commandos were first seen in the Clone Wars series. They're in numerous episodes. There's no point even listing them. They're in like a huge, huge amount. And they're not really in many other things much. There's a few, you know, comics that relate to the Clone Wars. But obviously, since the Clone Wars finished in Episode 3 and Palpatine ordered all droids to be shut down, you don't really find droid commandos anywhere. Or at least they're very uncommon now. Now, BX series droid commandos, they are similar-ish to the standard B1 battle droids, which are the skinny, long-nosed ones that you see in Phantom Menace and the subsequent movies. They're similar to those, but they are generally more durable, they're smarter, they're faster, but they are more expensive to make, hence why the whole Separatist army isn't just made out of these. So back to the story. Meanwhile, on the Carrion Spike... The First Order officers cannot unlock the ship without Terex. He is fully just locked everything down, and unless they did a full system replacement, they just can't do anything. And they wouldn't be able to do that where they are anyway. They'd need to, I think, dock or connect specifically with another First Order vessel, which is obviously what they're trying to do. It shows that Terex arrives with his thugs onto the Carrion Spike and calls them his people. And he says that although he is a criminal, he still wants to give the resistance base to the First Order. So now we get another flashback to 27 years earlier. So you've got Korlak, which is obviously Terex's friend from the Battle of Jakku, and two women are taking money from Terex. Now these two women are the ones that met him in the bar in the previous issue that were talking about going to the Imperial shipyard and etc etc. So Terex isn't around these guys, it's the three of them, two women and Korlak, and they're saying that they will kill Terex once he's sort of repaired the carrion spike and is no longer useful to them. They're taking money from him as well, so they're getting lots of people to either give them money or they're stealing or whatever, but they're seemingly like taking parts for themselves. Now, the Carrion Spike not only has cloaking on it, but it also has top-level surveillance capabilities, and Terex can actually hear them. They're not aware that the ship is fully repaired yet. He was repairing the ship and obviously turned it on and then could hear their whole conversation. They were talking about betraying him and things, so he decides to do the smart thing and shoots where they are from his ship, just blowing the entire compartment up. He then comes to the realisation that the Empire is gone, the order that it had is gone, so he can basically do whatever he wants. There's a couple of cool panels of him kind of going around, like finding himself as a criminal, then it shows that he's basically a crime lord, he's sat on a throne and things, and people start bringing him tributes. Now one person brings him tribute that doesn't quite have enough credits, but what they do have is a new Stormtrooper helmet that Terex has never seen. He inspects it, they say it's from the First Order, and he's not seen it before and is very intrigued by it which is obviously how he first came to know that the First Order was operating, sort of, you know, the First Order is the successor to the Empire, so obviously that piqued his interest. So it cuts back to present day, and Poe is with 3PO and this new droid, Nunzix, and Nunzix won't relay the information until he is safe and off the planet. Poe says to 3PO, can't we just like force him, like go in there and take the information? And 3PO said, well, because he's an operative, 3PO has put in certain fail safes that if anyone tries to pry him open, as it were, then he will just do a full memory wipe. So they don't really have much choice, and before they can figure out what to do next, the carrion spike then appears overhead. Terex calls out to citizens using some sort of speaker system, I assume the carrion spike has, to tell all of the citizens of the planet to get Poe, and if they take it to Lord Terex, they will get a reward. 3PO then calls upon the remaining operatives in the area to defend them, and eventually the gang managed to get to the ship they came on, the smuggler ship. The ship has no weapons or really any defensive capabilities or anything, so Poe has to get out his secret weapon, which is his X-Wing, hidden in the hold of the ship. 
He confirms they'll escape inside of it because 3PO and Nunzix don't actually need air or anything so they can just be kind of tacked on as it were. And Oddy is nowhere to be seen. He seems to have gone after Terex and he disappeared like a few minutes ago and then it shows what Oddy is doing. So Terex actually let Poe leave and reveals that it's all part of his plan. And also Terex actually has a fleet and it shows a really cool panel of the fleet. There's lots of random ships there, but also quite a few TIE fighters probably remaining from all the flashbacks that we saw. And that is where issue number 10 ends. So we move on to issue number 11. So Poe is off world and he activates hyperspace to head for the resistance base Dakar. Meanwhile, Oddy is on Terex's ship. Terex is actually tracking Poe, it's not confirmed how specifically, so once Poe is out of hyperspace, they will be able to get him, as well as hopefully the resistance base. Terex then speaks with Phasma over Hollow Communicator. She's like threatening him, saying that he didn't go to the First Order for debriefing after his previous mission and things, and Terex is just completely unfazed by her threats. He says he's going to get Poe and get the Resistance base and stuff, and Phasma is telling him that the First Order don't want open war with the Resistance yet because they aren't ready, and then he closes the comm and continues with what he wants to do. It shows what Poe is up to, and he is suspicious. He's thinking about the mission and thinks that Oddy may be the traitor as to how Terex keeps finding them. Meanwhile, it shows that Oddy is still on Terex's ship. He manages to fight a guard and take him hostage somewhat, and asks where his wife is. And when he's doing this, he has a vibroblade to this guard's throat. So back to Poe, he comes out of hyperspace thinking he doesn't want to go to the resistance base just in case anyone is tracking him or something. He speaks to 3PO and says that he wonders if Nunzix even actually had any of the information he says that he does. So he gets 3PO to wake up Nunzix. As he starts to question him, Terex's fleet then shows up. Terex is like, well, there's no resistance base around here. They scan for the areas and there's not really any civilization nearby. So he's like, oh, okay, well, kill Poe Dameron anyway. So on Poe's ship, BB-8 is trying to sort out hyperspace, you know, generate the navigational codes and all that sort of stuff, and Poe tries to take on the fleet just to buy some time. He manages to take out quite a few ships, and then he is eventually hit, and his X-Wing crash lands onto a nearby planet, and that is where issue number 11 ends. So issue number 12 starts with Poe and his three droids, BB-8, C-3PO and Nunzix, all exiting the crashed ship and they go towards a cave that's nearby. The planet they're on is kind of like a deserty planet but there's a lot of mountains and rocky areas and 3PO is following behind him and he is very, very slow. So Poe goes back to carry 3PO over his back to get him into the cave in time and as they just get through the sort of archway of the cave, the First Order ships that are pursuing shoot towards the cave entrance and then it causes a rockfall and the entrance is now blocked. So Poe and Co then go deeper into the cave. Meanwhile on the carrion spike, the guard that Oddy took hostage takes him to his wife and his wife is currently a drinks server for Terex. She appeared in the other comics here, she's the same species as Oddy but obviously we didn't explicitly know it was her but they hug and have like a nice reunion. Oddy confirms that Terex took numerous people to use as leverage in case the time came, in case he really needed to for whatever reason. So Oddy wants to take Terex down but his guard confirms that Terex is not actually on the ship, he's down planet side. So it cuts to Terex and his gang, and they are inside this cave looking for Poe and the droids. BB-8 is attached to the ceiling of the cave, or the roof of the cave, and is cutting stalactites to distract and wound the thugs. Terex then notices this, takes aim, and shoots at BB-8. It cuts away, and you hear BB-8 scream as Poe, 3PO, and Nunzix are all escaping. Poe and Co keep going and then 3PO has an idea. He tells Poe and Nunzix to leave, and Poe is very thankful to him. 
Soterix shortly catches up to 3PO, and then 3PO calls out in a language of Fjordbats. Now, I can't find Fjordbats anywhere else in the canon. And in doing this, the Fjordbats then attack Terex and his gang. 3PO makes a funny little comment as he tries to run away, thinking that he wishes his maker gave him the ability to run, and Terex pretty quickly catches up to 3PO and says he's going to take the memory of 3PO as it could be more useful than Poe. Poe is then hiding with Nunzix, and Nunzix is just refusing to help at all. Poe is arguing with him, but he isn't really getting anywhere. Terex is still searching for Poe, and then Poe receives a communication. It's Snap Wexley from Black Squadron. It shows the Black Squadron are actually there, they're in space near to the planet, and they are there to fight their way to Poe through the multitude of Terex's thugs. But they said that they need to get through Terex's fleet first, and they are three X-Wings and one A-Wing. So that is where issue number 12 ends, so we move on to the final issue, issue number 13. So the final issue starts with Black Squadron having their hands full with Terex's band of fighters. Poe is hiding with Nunzix, who is still refusing to fight, so he's communicating with Snap saying, I don't really know what we can do. And Snap says that he has a plan. He sends down a personality matrix down to Poe to plug into this BX series droid commando to try and actually help because Nunzix is just being useless. And the personality matrix that Snap Wexley sends down, now you guys may be able to guess this, A, if you're following me on social media because I posted about it because I was too excited, but B, if you've read the Aftermath trilogy of books by Chuck Wendig, which I hugely recommend, it is Mr. Bones. So if you guys are not aware, Mr. Bones is the greatest character in all of Star Wars ever. Uh, I am mildly exaggerating things, but he is such a fun, cool character. He is definitely one of the highlights of the Aftermath trilogy. And he's basically, if you guys know of Triple Zero, so any regular listeners will know of that, or if you've read the Doctor Aphra and Darth Vader comics from 2015-2016, Triple Zero is a personality matrix put into a protocol droid who looks like 3PO, but is a absolute murderous psychopath who enjoys draining the blood of people. Now imagine that, but slightly more fun a bit more unhinged but also with the same kind of bloodlust so mr bones as i said he's from the aftermath trilogy snap wexley made him when he was like a teenager his parents were absent and he was left alone on the planet mirror now when he was 15 years old he basically built mr bones from components from other droids and things from scrapping and stuff Now, Mr. Bones was originally a B-1 battle droid, so the long-nosed standard-y ones that you saw from the prequel trilogy, and was painted red. He would often fight people, but he would kill them, and he would sing and hum as he murdered his victims. But Mr. Bones is completely loyal to Snap, and he will kill basically anyone that Snap wants him to in quite a brutal and horrendous way. He's just a really fun, delightful, he's like a comedy element to the books, while also being very important to the plot, while also being something that's actually reasonable and does bring up some moral questions from people who are around Snap as he grows up. And Snap's name is also Temin, just for clarity. Like his his real name is Temin Wexley, but people call him Snap uh, because I think when he was younger, he had this tendency to click his fingers and snap them uh, when he was nervous. So that's why he's called Snap. But yeah, Mr. Bones, really, really nice surprise. I did not expect to ever see him again, and seeing him in this comic has made me very happy. But back to the story. Snap didn't tell Poe about Mr. Bones. He told him about like his history and his life and things, because Snap was at the Battle of Jakku as well, and Mr. Bones was actually at the Battle of Jakku. But 
obviously Poe was only like a few years old at that point. So Snap is quite a lot older than Poe Dameron is. I think about 10 to 12 years older. That's just off the top of my head. I can't remember the exact birth years. But when Snap recounted to Poe his life, he just left out all the details of when Mr. Bones saved him by, you know, killing everyone. So Poe is like baffled what's going on and why he's watching this droid just brutally kill all of Terex's gang. Snap actually confirms to Poe that he always has his code on like a data card whenever he goes into battle. He says it's good luck and obviously it gets him out of certain situations. And one of the things that Mr. Bones is quoted to say, while he is killing all of these gang members and there's like kind of blood splurting everywhere, he is humming and singing to himself while saying, meat paste, mmm, so much lovely meat paste. So that's the kind of things that you can expect from Mr. Bones if you read the Aftermath trilogy. Just to clarify, the Aftermath trilogy, aside from the High Republic, I would argue is some of the best Star Wars books there are. If you want like original stories that don't hugely rely on like legacy characters and things, it continues what happened to the Empire and the rest of the galaxy after Return of the Jedi, but it actually has like new characters and some of them are really really cool Nora Wexley's great Sinjir is great I think it's Jazimari she's great but there are enough familiar characters as well so if you haven't checked out the Aftermath trilogy go and do it so back to the story it shows a black squadron are continuing their dogfight with Terex's gang up in space just outside the planet and it shows that Kara is hit then some of the ships that are about to destroy her vessel get shot by the carrion spike It shows that on the carrying spike that the crew actually got locked out of their system and then some escape pods get launched. It shows that Oddie did it. So Oddie hacked into their system, changed their targeting computers. They then start shooting their own vessels and Oddie managed to escape with the slaves from that ship. But because the escape pods have no weapons or any real defenses, he's asked Black Squadron to try and help them get down to planet side. Back on the planet itself, Terex shoots Mr. Bones, and then as he's distracted, Poe dropkicks Terex from higher ground, so he just jumps off this big rock and just boots him. Then when Terex is on the floor, Poe gets him at gunpoint. Back up in space, an escape pod is destroyed, and Lulo Lampar takes out the attacker who destroys this ship. Lulo is very annoyed that members of Terex's gang are killing unarmed people, and so he gets a bit too aggressive trying to sort of take some people down, and then his ship is blown up. So Lulo Lampar is now dead. And if you want to find out more information about Lulo Lampar, then there's some of the Poe Dameron books, but then there's also he's in Shattered Empire. Uh, he's in quite a lot of stuff. He's also in the 2020 Star Wars comics, and I think he appears at the end of the 2015 run of Star Wars comics as well. So he's part of the Pathfinders. He's good friends with Shara Bay and Kez Dameron, you know, Poe's parents, and he helped raise Poe. Poe considers him like an uncle, and he was also flying the A-Wing. So it goes back to planet side and shows that Terex then throws a knife at Poe. It goes through Poe's hand and then he has a vibroblade to Poe's throat. Before he can do anything, BB-8 sneaks up behind him and electrocutes him, making Terex collapse. It shows that BB-8 was damaged, but obviously he wasn't destroyed. Back in space, the rank gang get control of their ship back and then some ships start appearing on their scope it shows that a First Order ship appears. Now, this First Order ship is called the First Order Maxima A Heavy Cruiser. Um, It's in the Greg Rooker story before The Awakening, and it appears occasionally in these Poe Dameron comics. It's kind of like a door wedgy sort of shape. It reminds me a little bit of one of the big ships you see in Star Wars Rebels that with like four sort of shipyards, uh, but it's, it is smaller than that, and it seems to only be in these comics. But quite a big First Order vessel, like a cruiser, and loads and loads of tires come out as well. Now, instead of attacking Black Squadron, all of these First Order vessels start attacking the rank gang ships. The carrion spike then explodes and the battle is seemingly over. The First Order then land planet side and someone called Commander Malarus then comes out and speaks with Poe. 
Poe then comps to Black Squadron and tells them to fly overhead and record anything that happens just as protection. The First Order confirmed that they just want Terex. They don't actually want to have any fighting with Poe or the Resistance or anything like that. So they say, like, we're going to take Terex then. Poe's like, well, you don't really give me a choice, but let me just go talk to Terex first. So Poe goes and talks to Terex and then uses the communicator to confirm that all of Terex's fleet are gone. Terex retorts and says that clearly there's only three ships up there, so Poe lost someone. Poe says, yeah, it was Lulo, and he's still kind of processing that. But at least he didn't lose everything, unlike Terex, who lost his fleet, his loyalists, his rank in the First Order, and everything. And the final word on this whole volume is Poe saying to Terex, your fight is over. And so there we go, my friends. That is the end of Poe Dameron Volume 2. Now, that one was quite a lot to deal with because there weren't actually that many connections. I only really had like four proper ones written down and the rest of it was just me recounting uh, the bullet points of the story to you. But it was an enjoyable read, especially with the appearance of Mr. Bones that was unexpected. Um, but what have we got coming up and what other things have I been involved with? So I was recently on Star Wars Timeline once again for I think my fifth appearance. Um, that is Ben of Star Wars Timeline. He was involved in the Book of Boba Fett discussion show. I I think he was on two or three episodes of that. And so I went on a show to talk about accents in Star Wars. So we talk about how sort of Peter Cushing and Alec Guinness, who play Tarkin and Obi-Wan respectively, how they are both British, but the way they talk gives a huge amount of detail into their characters. We then talk about, it's primarily focused on the original trilogy of like how Luke, Leia and Han all talk, how the way they speak and their general mannerisms kind of are telling about their character and certain story elements. It's a really interesting conversation that I hadn't even really thought about before Ben contacted to me to have that conversation so um link to that is in the description as well as my three previous times on star wars timeline uh, which is when we me and ben spoke at length about each of the individual sequel trilogy movies force awakens last jedi and the rise of skywalker so links to all of that is in the description as well so in addition to those guest spots, all my other guest spots are in the description, but I've also got a couple of other fun things planned for the future, including another Star Wars content creator who should be coming on the show. I'll release it on Genuine Chit Chat, and I imagine I'll release it on this feed as well, just so as many people can hear it as possible. But make sure you subscribe to my show, Genuine Chits Chat. You can listen to it wherever you're listening to this episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon. And I have conversations with other people who relate to Star Wars. So I spoke with Claudia Gray in late 2020. I spoke with the comic artist Paolo Villanelli a few months back. I spoke with Dominic Pace, who was in the first season of The Mandalorian. I spoke with Alex and Molly Damon of Star Wars Explained. That's a very big Star Wars YouTube show. And like I've, I've spoken to quite a lot of people and I've got many more to come as well. And so... I try and release most of them on both feeds, but sometimes, you know, I do want to just release standard episodes of Star Wars Comics and Canon on this very feed. So make sure you subscribe to that and then you get fully up to date with relatively everything I am doing. But if you want to support the show, you can support in a multitude of ways. You can rate on Spotify, Good Pods, or Apple Podcasts. On Spotify now, you can just do a five-star rating. You don't even have to write anything. Uh, in addition to that, you can share on social media. You can tell your friends. You know, any of your friends who like Star Wars, go on, send them an episode. The first episode of my 2017 Darth Vader run, or even episode number one about the Kylo Ren comic, or the thing about Darth Maul, because a lot of Star Wars fans don't fully know about what happened to Darth Maul unless they saw the Clone Wars series. Like, there's loads of my episodes, which plenty of people have already enjoyed, but there's plenty more people to enjoy them. So you can do all of those things. But if you want to support the show in a slightly more substantial and direct way, what you can do is support me on Patreon. So patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. You go over there, you can give me at least one pound a month, which I think is like $1.50, and you get access to all of the exclusive audio content on there. That is 
one episode of Afterthoughts at least every single week. Last week, I released three of them, uh, one about Book of Mormon and then two others that are escaping me right now. Uh, but me and Megan have been doing like movie rewatches of like the certain films she hasn't seen, certain films I have seen. Uh, we're also doing a big Tom Hanks rewatch. Um, we're on the fourth movie at the moment now. Uh, we've also done book reviews on there that are Star Wars book reviews that haven't been released on this channel or on this feed. Uh, so I did one on Last Shot, one of Dark Disciple, one of the Legends book Shatterpoint, and I've recorded one of the Legends book Darth Plagueis as well. I'm currently listening to the A New Dawn book, which is about Hera Syndulla and Kanan Jarrus. So it's basically like a prequel book to Star Wars Rebels. So lots of cool stuff there. So there's exclusive Star Wars content over there. You also get Afterthoughts episodes at least once a week, sometimes to twice as well, uh, which are normally between 10 minutes and half an hour long. Plus you get early access to certain other things that I release on that feed before it come on here or before they go on Genuine Chit Chat, including whenever I release a part one and part two of an episode of Genuine Chit Chat, people on Patreon get the full unsplit episode there as well. So if you want to support the show for as little as £1 a month and also get hours and hours of additional content every week with a massive back catalogue of Afterthoughts episodes, I think there's about 80 at the moment on there, uh, as well as lots of the other bonus content and things. And it's a great way to hear my banter with Megan. Uh, we also do some new films as well. So we recently watched the Jim Broadbent film, The Duke, and we give our spoiler-free thoughts on that. So there's spoiler-free reviews of new stuff, there's series reviews that are spoiler-free, uh, there's movie reviews of things like the MCU stuff and Star Wars and Harry Potter that we go quite in-depth in. Uh, there's also, we're doing the big Tom Hanks rewatch, a lot of Tom Hanks movies we haven't seen. And also, if you are interested by that, but you're not entirely sure, you actually can go and check out some of the Patreon episodes completely for free. The most recent one is Tom Hanks number one. So that is the first movie we started in the Tom Hanks rewatch that we're doing this year. It was the film Big, which obviously is a classic. Megan had never seen it before. So if you want to hear mine and Megan's thoughts on that classic movie, you can either click the link in the description or you can just type it in to your browser, bit.ly slash Tom Hanks one and that'll take you straight to the Patreon post which I've unlocked for anyone to listen to and if you enjoy that and you want to hear more of our Tom Hanks rewatch then make sure you become a patron supporter as it would mean the absolute world to me and you get a portion of my undying love as well as all of the additional bonus content that's more or less it from me guys aside from telling you what we've got coming up so Next week, I'm going to be tackling the second volume of the High Republic Adventures comics published by IDW and written by Daniel Jose Older. Then following on from that, I am likely to do the next mini-series, which I believe is Trail of Shadows, but I need to double-check to make sure the ending of that doesn't spoil what happens in The Fallen Star, because obviously I haven't done my book review for Out of the Shadows as of yet, which I need to do, and then I'll be able to move on to my book review of Fallen Star. So yeah, next week is either going to be Out of the Shadows or it's going to be Trail of Shadows. I'll figure it out. I need to realize they both end in shadows. Quite interesting. Um, so I'll do those. Then whatever I don't do next week, I will do the other one the subsequent week after that. Uh, in addition to that, I realized there's one bit of High Republic comic content that I had not yet tackled, which fits into the second wave of the first phase of the High Republic, and that is the first volume of the manga Edge of Balance by Justina Ireland and Shima Shinya. So I'll be doing that at some point, probably before I do The Fallen Star, because it comes before that. There is a second volume which is coming out in the next month or so, so I'm going to read through that as well. I may end up actually doing volume one and volume two together, depending on the contents of volume two, 
So you can look forward to that in a few weeks as well. So that's generally what I've got planned over the coming weeks. I am also conscious because I've been reading more of the Crimson Rain stuff, which is, you know, Darth Vader, Doctor Aphra, Star Wars, and Bounty Hunters, as well as the Crimson Rain miniseries, all combining to make the second of the sort of trilogy of the ongoing Star Wars comics set after Empire Strikes Back. So I've been reading those. They are starting to connect up a little bit more. Uh, so I may end up doing the same thing I was doing for War of the Bounty Hunters, uh, but I'm going to leave that a little bit longer just so I can kind of catch up with some of the High Republic stuff. Because uh, if I can catch up with, you know, there's going to be another volume for the High Republic Adventures after next week's. There's also going to be another volume of the High Republic comics. There's also going to be the Two Eye of the Storm comics as well. Uh, plus there's also, you know, the Fallen Star book review as well as the book reviews for Mission to Disaster and Midnight Horizon. Uh, and then there's also just kind of getting all of the High Republic first phase stuff all finished and released in an appropriate order so you guys don't get all sort of disjointed and things and so that I don't kind of reveal the ending of something before I've done the book review for the other things. So I'm going to make sure I get that all sort of aligned and whatnot, um, but that's generally what you can expect over the coming months. And then I think there's going to be a bit of a gap of High Republic content until I think sort of July to October time. So I'm hoping I'll have fully caught up with the High Republic stuff then. Then I'll be able to do a lot more of the Crimson Rain stuff as well as book reviews and whatnot. And then by then we'll have some other stuff coming out as well because there's a Han Solo and Chewbacca series coming out. There's the Obi-Wan Kenobi comic series that's coming out. There's loads of things coming out. So very, very exciting stuff. But um, that's generally it from me, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you for listening, rating, reviewing, sharing with your friends, and especially those who support on Patreon. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next week with the High Republic Adventures Volume 2. And as always, guys, may the Force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.